This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we're talking about Miss Marvel Episode 3, Destined. So how does she convince everyone that she's good? Good? It's not a thing you are, Kamala. It is a thing you do. Podcasting is not a thing you are, it is a thing you do. Yes, welcome to TV Podcast Industries, more specifically, the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we are talking about Miss Marvel, episode three, Destined. Much like it is written in the stars or in the multiverse or in an alternate universe, that there are three podcasters that come together to discuss Marvel shows or Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus on TV podcast industries. Yes, it was written in the stars and it is happening now. Mm-hmm. I am Chris and I am bringing together the triumphant trifecta of podcasters because I'm finally back and I actually could manage my timetable to get in and discuss this. Yes, I am Chris and I am joined by my illustrious co-hosts. Yes, absolutely. A different lineup every episode so far. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I've been here all the time. Yes, you have. Uh, and hello there, fellow defenders. I'm one of your other hosts, the third one, John. There you go. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I had to do a bit of counting there. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I had to do brain counting. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. We're on the third episode and we've had five hosts so far uh, on the show. We've had Iron and uh, and Lucas for the first episode, myself and John for the second episode, and, uh, and now we've got Chris, myself, and John for the third episode. So it's kind of cool to get all the different opinions from, of all of the fellow defenders. Yes, it's it, it's fun to be here. It is fun to discuss this, mm-hmm. and oh my god, I am going to spoil everything because I'm going to spoil my thoughts because it's a fun show to discuss because mm-hmm. it's a fun show to watch. Yes, it is, there you go. and it's a re- like it's it's the kind of show I'm really enjoying um, yeah. watching along with all the other stuff. There's lots of serious stuff out in the world. There's lots of serious shows that we cover on our podcast. And it's really nice to see a show like Miss Marvel that's bring a lot of fun uh, to the world. This one a little bit, um, a little bit more serious than the other episodes. A mm-hmm. lot of exposition in this episode, but it, they were still such a lot of fun in this one. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, great. It's it's just a well written, well shot, well acted show, mm-hmm. and even like yeah. I, I bring it, even the style or the the palette choices and the the kind of even cgi overlays the decisions there are just fantastic Mm -hmm. like seeing her text messages pop up in different ways as they talk about this very teen based comedy Mm -hmm. because that's what up until she gets powers it's a teen based comedy set in the marvel cinematic universe and i'm like i'm down for this yeah yeah and much better than a sitcom it's all based around the actual character of Kamala Khan being yeah. quite a funny character and yeah. just in herself. She seems like a lot of fun and she has a lot of fun with her friends. So uh, it's working really well for me. Yes. So if you want to hear those other two initial episodes, you want to hear our thoughts on that, make sure you head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and listen to episode one and episode two and mm-hmm. then come back for this. But if you've already listened to those and you want to just roll in with us to episode three, you can do that too. 
But also make sure you send feedback on your thoughts for the whole series to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. But we're going to dive straight in with the spoilerific chat. So Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what with the episode details? Absolutely, yeah. Executive producers for the series are Kevin Feige, Louis Desposito, Victoria Alonso, Bisha KLE, uh, and Arby and Fala, um, as they like to be known, the two other directors of the series. Uh, head writer for the series is Bisha KLE. We spoke about her a uh, number of times before, a uh, British Pakistani stand up comedian uh, and screenwriter uh, over running the show or show running the show. This episode itself was directed by Mira Manan, an Indian American director who has directed episodes of The Walking Dead and Titans. And we spoke about her before because she directed an episode of Marvel's The Punisher on Netflix, a very different Marvel series. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> One I'd probably not recommend to the entire audience of Marvel, unlike. Miss Marvel. But uh, great to have Miriam and Alan on board for this one. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Now, this one had lots of writers on it, and I think we'll probably get into the reasons why. Um, the episode itself, uh, the story, was written by Freddie Cyborn, uh, and he wrote the teleplay for the episode with AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey. We've spoken about them many times before because AC Bradley was the lead writer on Marvel's What If, and Matthew Chauncey also wrote many of the episodes of What If as well. So uh, both of them on board lending their experience on, I suppose, the overall universe of Marvel uh, to Freddie Cyborn's um, story for the episode. Uh, worked on a lot of British TV. Freddie Cyborn as uh, a British uh, a British writer. Uh, worked on Killing Eve, uh, Sex Education, and three full seasons of Bad Education with uh, Jack Whitehall, a very funny uh, comedy set in, uh, set in school. So uh, with, I was actually about to say, we can't hold that against him. Really? Uh, Did you not like that? Because he does great stuff here. No, I'm not a fan of Bad Education or Jack Whitehall. Wow. But, well, hey, look, that's fine because, like, it is... Much like a smorgasbord, a charcuterie board of food, you can pick and choose content that you like. Absolutely. Well, if you didn't like um, Jack Whitehall in Bad Education, I'd highly recommend him on uh, on Good Omens, a show that we also covered on TV Podcast Industries. He's quite central in that show as well. So uh, check him out on there. He's he's very good, and he I really does. I really did enjoy Bad, Bad Education. Lots of uh, lots of fun in there. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode three of Miss Marvel: Destined? Sure. After narrowly escaping capture by the Department of Damage Control, Kamala has been brought back to Cameron's house with his mum, Najma, and their housemates Adam, Salim, and Fariha. They were able to find Kamala because her use of Nani's bangle taps into mystical energy known as Nur, or light. This energy comes from the Nur dimension, a dimension that Najma and her companions have been trying to get back to for a long time after they were exiled. The group is sometimes known as the clandestine in their dimension, but also go by the name Jin, and Kamala has the same power inside her. Even though the Jin have been part of Kamala's childhood nightmares, she asks Bruno to help her activate her bangle to open the gateway for the Jin. But after some research using Dr. Selvig's papers on interdimensional travel, he tells Kamala that the energy required makes it too dangerous. If you help them go home, some things might go boom. <laughs> However, unwilling to wait for her to find a safe way to help them, the djinn attack Kamala and her brother Amir's wedding. With the help of Cameron and Bruno, Kamala distracts and defends against the djinn long enough for them to be arrested by the Department of Damage Control. But during the battle, Najma connected with the bangle and Kamala sees a train coming towards her. But she's not the only one who sees this vision. Her nanny in Pakistan also saw it, and calls for Kamala and her mum to travel to her home in Karachi. Ooh, we might be on the road in episode four. Yeah. 
Very excited sounds about like that. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited about that. It sounds like travel a... program. It'll turn into now. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I kind of like the idea. We've been very focused on New Jersey in the, in the, in these episodes, a, a place we haven't seen very much in the, yes. in the MCU, and we certainly haven't seen Pakistan in the MCU. So uh, that's quite fun uh, to have them go go abroad in, in a, an MCU show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very much so, and I think it's going to be a lot of our discussion points because potentially we might be going to other dimensions. Ooh, by the end of this season two. So, gentlemen, let's jump into our top point for this episode. We're going to talk about our three marvellous moments per episode. The first marvellous moment, number one. Yes, I said first and number one because it is that marvellous. Aisha and the Jin. Yes, we get uh, the breakdown of... Potentially the powers that she's no longer inhuman. She's basically half alien, multi-dimensional. She's got she's got chin blood, yes. but also no also known as unseen blood, the clandestine or clandestine uh, blood, depending on many 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 terms. So, guys, tell me before I get into my thoughts because mm-hmm. I have some on this. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I loved that they brought this in so quickly. You know, we've we've had the kind of mentions of the history of India and Pakistan and how it was, how it uh, how it formed. I suppose uh, in the past we had the idea of this around the British occupation, and I love that those were all kind of dropped pieces of history of the characters that we have. What led them to be in America? What led their family to split apart the way they did? And and it felt like you were being um, told about their past, and this is now tying in really closely with the origin of the bangle, who these characters are. I loved how it was laid into this episode, this character of Aisha, the mysterious great-grandmother of uh, of Kamala, how she disappeared, why she disappeared, and what was actually going on at the time. I loved that we had that opening. And there's another big connection into the MCU here as well, um, as they're searching for the bangle at the bottom of this uh, of this pit uh, in British-occupied Pakistan. Um we see the Ten Rings marked out on the floor. Yep. We see the symbol of the Ten Rings, an organization that we saw in the excellent Shang-Chi movie. Um, yep. So great to see a little tie-in there as well. You know, something that's that's been in the MCU right back to the first Iron Man movie as well. So um, that's that in itself kind of opens up this story to a wider a wider world, which didn't happen in, in Moon Knight, remember? So, um, so that's kind of cool uh, that there's a possibility these will connect together into a much bigger... Uh, universe but i love this storytelling because lines that you think are just the characters telling you about their their own past have now become part of the mythology of miss marvel as a show i thought it was really well done yeah it, it really was like um i i think uh as well with uh shang chi you know you have that moment at the end with um shang chi wong and dr strange mm-hmm. trying to figure out where sort of the signature coming off the Ten Rings, mm-hmm. that, that it seems maybe it's, you know, extraterrestrial at least. Yes. Um, so, again, having the Ten Rings here uh, on the floor of the temple. Yeah. And uh, then also just who are the jinn? It's interdimensional mm-hmm. at least. Yep. So it really adds this sort of interesting flavor as well, not only connection to... Shang-Chi, but a whole range of other different elements just because of how intermeshed these movies, along with the TV, 
now all. So that was really, really interesting. Absolutely. Also want to point out in that post-credit scene of Shang-Chi was also Carol Danvers yes. as Miss Marvel and Bruce Banner, who's going to be in the upcoming She-Hulk TV series. So, uh, so someone from all of all the shows and all the, uh, all the stories, uh, that we're going to be getting told to us in the MCU coming up. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. so I kind of like that too. The other thing I really liked about this was the fact that when you have, uh, Najima talking about, you know, being called the clandestine, mm. but also known as the Majnoon, uh, or the Unseen, uh-huh. or the Ajnabi, um, that the thing that she comes to is the djinn. And then you have Kamala saying to, to Bruno, I'm the stuff of childhood nightmares Absolutely. because we've had the djinn reference through some of the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's that, you know, almost horror bedtime story for children. Yeah. And, and, and so I just really, really enjoyed just that, that kind yeah. of freak out from Kamala. Absolutely. That she yeah. has the, the same stuff, you know, coursing through her mm-hmm. that allows her to activate this bangle that the djinn do. And yeah. um, also, the great, the obvious gin and tonic, uh, comment yeah, from, from Bruno. From Bruno. Yeah, that was so really good. Th- it was really, really good. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and Kamala also says there are ghost stories. There are gin stories. The big difference is gin stories are scarier and they're real. So, uh, told to them as children and to, to scare them, but they're real. She doesn't believe in ghosts. She believes in gin. Uh, like, yeah, but even <laughs> with Bruno as well, when Kamala's asking for his help, around figuring it out mm-hmm. uh, he goes i don't know how i can help a bunch of ghosts and their <laughs> average looking son i loved it nice really dig from nice little dig love it love it chris what are, what's your thoughts on the scene and, and the idea of the jinn being brought into the mcu as well i'm loving it so essentially what we're getting is with shang chi we had his group his mother coming from an extra dimension um and tying in there and probably the ten rings having elemental kind of discussions there you have the asgard and the the, the realms of asgard mm-hmm. in north mythology so you have uh, the, the kind of frost giants realm again talking potentially realms dimensions elements out in space mm-hmm. depending on how you think um we have a blue cree hand um Mm. We or sorry, let me rephrase it. We don't know if it's Cree. We have a band found on a blue severed arm. Yes, yes. Um, so shouldn't call it Cree. Potentially not Cree, but the blue severed arm and the band itself links to the previous uh, Marvel Captain Marvel, where in the comic books one of the very first Captain Marvels was a Cree who came to Earth who mm-hmm. was blue skinned and had two bands around his hand, one on each hand. And we hear in this there was two bands that mm-hmm. were originally being looked for. Then they were the Nega bands. They brought power from the negative zone in and that was how he could fly and shoot beams and was immortal and all these types of things. Right. Also gave him cancer, which was a whole other storyline, but we can get to that at some point mm. in the future. Um but I'm loving how they're they're trying to bring all this in. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm hoping they (laughs) deliver because one quick one, the unseen, Mm -hmm. that's a call back to the watchers. Uh, and, uh, wow. And the watchers, they said they in the what if he mentions the unseen, right? As a group that could not be. They can't be watched. They can't, the only people, some of the people, the only people he can't see are people who are in the space in between and the unseen. 
Right. Interesting. So, so the unseen are the, is this maybe the group or either the group or the place maybe? So again, it's just adding to this multi-dimension multiverse questions. Yeah, and and yeah, just to say exactly, the Watchers was a main character in What If. Both the writers from What If here on board yes. writing this episode of the show, so potentially a, a nice connection in there with the, yeah. with the previous MCU show. Uh, do you think? Do you guys think so we're having a bit of a chat about this beforehand? Do you guys think it's starting to get really complicated in the MCU now because yes. we've got you know dimensions talked about here? We had dimensions in uh, Doctor Strange was the big movie that talked about dimensions. We have now had loads of multiversal stuff, which is same universes, slight differences all running parallel to each other, which is in the Multiverse of Madness and uh, Spider-Man. We've had timelines within Loki where it's exactly the same universe, but with small changes and things happening, new timelines are created. Um, there's lots of complicated things going on here. We've had realms, of course, as, as Chris mentioned back in uh, the Asgardian stuff with, with Thor. Uh, so lots and lots of, of complicated ideas, all different to each other as well. So you could watch... Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness yesterday came out in Disney Plus and you're watching um, loads of different universes on there and here they're talking about different dimensions which is a completely different yeah. concept uh, in Miss Marvel and people could start to get those confused or start to get yeah. them cross over with yep. each other a bit. I definitely, think. definitely. I mean, I, what I, the, the only way you can kind of sort of describe it is that, you know, dimensions and realms are within a universe. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing actually that really complicates it for me is when you have the sacred timeline mm. within a universe with multiple branches happening at the yeah. same time within yeah. the universe. So that makes it incredibly complex. Yeah, and, and it's like with the end credit scene in Multiverse of Madness. I'll try and keep the spoilers out of it, but there we have the multiversal incursion of another universe happening in another dimension, mm -hmm. not as such within the the earth or 616 dimension yes, yeah. um it's happening in the dark dimension yeah. with doctor strange being asked to you know sort that out yeah. so it is incredibly confusing and i i guess it's more just that you know you you would use di as you say you'd use dimensions just as a, another way of saying multiverse so you're not saying multiverse all the time or do you want me to really confuse you I, I was to, trying to make you always do, Chris. Oh, thank you. But we are going to the quantum verse very soon. Well, that's the other side again, of it. Again, yeah. and we're going to spend time in the quantum verse. <laughs> yes. And the, do you know who'd be really good at this? Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards. Mm. He's well known being a very smart man who can take complex ideas and bring it down mm. and boil them yeah. down. As well, Bruno. Bruno, Bruno can do that as well. That's he true. had to explain the the energy requirements of interdimensional travel. Yeah. Yes. But also, this... I think I, you're right. It's really complex. It can be confusing. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, with Quantumania, um, you've, <laughs> you've got that side of it as well. I'm really yep. sorry, fellow defenders. The whole point of this conversation was to try and make sure it wasn't confusing, because all we're talking about in this show is dimensions. But yeah. we've now brought in all of the rest exactly. of them, because this yeah. show is just about dimensions. I was trying to make sure that we're separating it out from all the multiversal discussions and the timeline discussions that have been brought in. This show is just about a parallel dimension or another dimension where the djinn are from. So that's, that's what it is. You're right. Ultimately, it's just a dimension. Yeah. But my additional point was it makes me even more convinced 
that the way the MCU will go is then to simplify this complexity mm. with the incursions, yes. with ultimately, you know, I'm still using it as a theory with Doctor Doom and um, Secret Wars. Oh no, that's look. We're we're, we're going to have a couple of things before, but that's the next big ten year arc. Yeah, convinced. Bringing it back, bringing it all the way back. I I want to call out one cool little thing and one little snippet using the clandestined, mm. um, which is essentially they are a group from the comic books of super powered individuals who are based on Adam of the Destin Destiny Destine and a Jin. They were the kind of spawn of that. They were a family. Back from the nineties, they were immortal. Think, think the Eternals, but not the Eternals. Mm-hmm. But super powered. Each time a bit, bit of a different power. All immortal. Round for hundreds of thousands of years. Not really superheroes, but kind of occasionally threw into the kind of X Men tie-ins because okay. they were kind of like Inhumans, but not really. They mm-hmm. were more kind of that type of thing, and they were kind of like an X Men because they were a group of family. Yeah, it's weird, but it's such a random pull, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm like, yeah, cool. The Marvel Universe has been around for 70, 80-odd years, mm-hmm. and there's so many comic books. Like You can start to pull these really interesting ideas out, mm-hmm. slightly tweak them, and make them sit within the MCU, and it feels natural, Absolutely. because that's the thing. And taking it back, boiling this all down, they made... The, the the clandestine and the unseen and the power of the jinn being from a slightly different dimension mm-hmm. and Kamala's powers being because she is she has blood from that realm and basically why they need the band to get back via this flashback in mm-hmm. it all made sense yeah and they, they drip fed small bits about Pakistan and how they were from there and how they fled the British occupied areas. Mm-hmm. And then the train scene when she got her powers. And then like we saw her fall back into something with purple eyes, mm-hmm. all of that. But they made it work because I understood. Like, be- okay, yes, probably I have the, a bit more room for understanding because of the comic books mm-hmm. but they're they're choosing a different they're not making her an alien or anything like or an inhuman they're making their own version and it made complete sense in yeah. a six minute conversation less yeah absolutely and, and as you start to add these points together which they'll do on the show itself you know exactly as you said chris you know she went effectively in that first episode now i'm guessing she went through the gateway that the jinn yeah. have been trying to find for this many centuries or they say they've been there a century from the conversation that bruno has with mr khan when mr khan translates the urdu um description of what jinn are it sounds much more like they were banished millennia ago almost it sounds like they've been here a very long time fighting to get back to their original uh dimension so i like how it's i like how it's playing out i like how they pulled it together and you know it makes much more sense to connect it to this story of the pakistani immigrants in in the u.s um that it makes much more sense to bring in the jinn as being part of this because as you say it's been mentioned since the first episode this idea of jinn being connected to their culture um which I really like, very similar to the Egyptian culture being pulled in much tighter to the Moon Knight story than it was in the in the comic book series. So 
so it's not I, I, you, you say we have comic book knowledge we absolutely do we've read comic books but none of this is the exact story yes. taken from the comic exactly. books and, and it's the right choice um trying to try and shoehorn in the inhumans to explain who kamala khan is in the mcu would have made a lot less sense than what they've actually done here in pulling yeah. in and, and recreating some of the stories and some of the origins i think it's really really good but uh, i was going to say sorry it does seem like yes she, she fell back into that dimension and possibly because the last person that put on this bracelet aisha um her great-grandmother was trying to search for that opening to that dimension the last time that bangle was worn right so potentially that's why kamala fell straight into that dimension uh, to begin with or fell straight into the nation, let's say. Yes. <laughs> so. And yes, I, I think before we move on to our kind of marvelous moment number two, I do want to just touch on that one small thing you said, which was, it seems like they were banished. And what I'm getting the feeling of is, do you remember Superman 1 and 2 with Christopher Reeves where mm-hmm. you have the banished Kryptonians? Yeah. Like, Zod. that's the feeling, yes, Zod, and that mm-hmm. kind of spinning realm where they were in the net. I'm getting that feeling as well, where mm-hmm. she becomes her, her Superman to battle these uh, similar beings with similar powers, but less so, because they're more just immortal and kind of thing. I'm getting some of those, and it's easy to understand, so exactly. I think that's fun. Exactly, and, and it is interesting, isn't it? But the first time I watched it, I thought the fall was really quick i thought the change from some really happy group of people that have lived together for ages i thought that change felt really quick watching it again there's so many clues even the fact that they call themselves the clandestine that's you know we're the shadow people from another dimension evil we're bad guys right they're saying it almost straight away from that moment onwards and they say they were exiled from their dimension they say that in the story that they're given to kamala trying to convince her to be to be sent back well if you're exiled from a dimension someone in that dimension probably doesn't want you there yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know it's all setting up those those elements and then particularly that discussion with bruno and, and and mr khan where he explains who the who the jinn are they've been banished here to uh, be punished and to live out their entire lives in this dimension, not allowed to go home. Um, it sounds much more nefarious from that early description of who they are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of it. So I really want to see where this goes now that they are in custody because marvellous moment number two. Let's all go to a wedding. Yeah, let's take a little break from the gin. Uh, just just to go back to the joy of uh, of Miss Marvel and what's uh, what's so good about it. The um, Amir's wedding, finally seeing it on screen right from the beginning. There's been this conversation about this big wedding for the family coming up. Um, and I love how it plays out. I love the joy that's completely evident from this. I love that we have the scene of them uh, exchanging vows. Um, I'm I'm sure. In Muslim ceremonies or in this particular type of Muslim ceremony, I'm sure this is very traditional, but I love that each partner is asked three times whether they take, uh, the, their partner to be their, uh, their lawfully wedded husband or wife. I think that's really, really interesting because they can have a bit of fun with it. They play along with it and everybody really gets into the ceremony. Everybody's laughing and enjoying the service. And then we go into a wonderful, joyous dance sequence, uh, at the, at the wedding itself, which is great fun to watch. If you've ever been, uh, at, at, any any Pakistani wedding, any Indian wedding, there's, there's a lot of joy that's around the service itself. Uh, and I love how it came across on uh, on screen. I love that everybody got involved, including Bruno, including the bride's parents, uh, all getting involved in this really well choreographed wedding. We get a little mention of it from Kamala talking to the Kia about the fact that they have been taking dancing lessons <laughs> to get this all down and ready for the wedding. I know uh, one of my colleagues at work uh, had her wedding. Um, she had 20 participants in her 
dance for the wedding and they were training for months in advance uh, of the wedding so um so it's something that we don't do uh, <laughs> for, no uh, for i'm kind of glad because uh, much like my singing my dancing is so not good it depends on the song chris i've seen i've seen you dance to uh to songs you like that's uh that may not may not win any awards on the on strictly um but <laughs> you, dan- you dance like people are supposed to dance to those songs <laughs> yes like no one's watching yes or just dancing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I absolutely love this. This for me, I love the three time asking, um, and it's just more like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you really sure? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. It, it's fun. Like many aspects of this show, nearly all of it is very culturally relevant mm-hmm. to the Pakistani Muslim families and the, the, the things they do and how they do it. And like the mosque and reminding people to take their shoes off mm-hmm. and like the little things like that and just everything just pulls from that and having this very i'm assuming authentic wedding um until i'm told differently this and it felt and it's strange within the course of two weeks we've had two great dance numbers uh for those who are also listening to some of our other coverage we are covering the boys over on uh prime video mm, very, very different, different shows yeah very different show very different shows but both had dance numbers mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back the musical dance numbers. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> good at watching them, not good at participating in them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, this does give us some nice additional scenes where we have Kamala's father and her brother kind of having kind of talks about courage and Kamala listening and that kind of impacting her her viewpoints later. Mm-hmm. We have her uh, scene with her mother in that lead up as well with her scraped knee. So this is very much the heart aspect of her family and her and leading towards her becoming the hero that we know she will become later on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, like there's also the Mahendi, the pre-wedding mm-hmm. event at home, which was again, just that all the family, the I love that uh, Amir's um, fiance uh, was just getting all these different tattoos and had to be fed because she couldn't move. Yeah. And the shoes. That's being... that's your ideal, isn't it? It's just getting fed well, that's like, grapes it. like, and cheese and stuff, not moving. The the shoes being um, taken mm-hmm. as well. Uh, sort of little nod to the you know the shoe thief from the the, very the mosque good. Very good. as well. Uh, but also we get that moment with um, where Bruno gives Kamala her eye mask or, or fa- you know face mask for her costume mm. um, that's mm. been left and the great um, little chat. I mean, as Derek and I were talking about it, it's almost like the Spider-Man um, uh, chat there between Uncle Ben and Peter Parker mm-hmm. happening between um Sheikh Abdullah and Kamala where he says good is not the thing you are it's the things you do exactly you know really layering in as you say Chris um how Kamala uh, sort of takes those on board to mm-hmm. sort of develop as this new superhero and I think for me I thought the two pieces with her parents um both Maniba to Kamala Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, um, really special, actually. Just, yeah. you know, um, where she says that America was m- my mountain, you know, that her and Yusuf were so excited, really looking forward, um, to, to moving over, but it was just 
um, so difficult uh, yeah. because they felt so alone. But in the end, over time, you know, they found the mosque, their family, um, and they all, you know, loved her. And she's just using that as a way of, you know, you will sort of reach the top of this mountain yep. that is currently the biggest thing that you see at the bottom of, of, of this. And um, so I thought that was just really, really good. And Yusef's to Amir again, Kamala just uh, overhearing it, mm -hmm. that kind of prep talk almost um, where he says, you know, you choose between love or fear. And if you choose love, well, then uh, you choose Janoon uh, and you choose family and you'll never be alone. So like, you really get the sense of support from mm. the, the two parents. Absolutely. And then... I think like you guys have said, I I just thought the dance was fantastic. It was completely yeah. um wholesome and flavoursome in that sense. You know, it yeah. kind of tickled all those senses, it, the colour, the movement, the the uh, the fun, you know, mm -hmm. we see um the the kid who was taking the shoes of Amir uh, at the at the Mahendi, um you you see him with the 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 mini Hulk suit that was supposed to be uh, Kamala's uh, going to AvengerCon. That's right. Yeah, and I I really just loved yeah. how Bruno just getting into the spirit of it, and of course then you have you know Brown Jovi sort of <laughs> kick in, and, and, and the joke that you know they also do bar mitzvahs and Diwali mm -hmm. <laughs> as well. Everything. Uh, so they basically do everything. So we're yeah. really. Um, really loved this whole sequence around the, the wedding, the pre-wedding and the whole thing, you know, where family is coming together yeah. uh, at, at the wedding uh, and just how that impacted Kamala. I thought it was really good. Yeah. And really important for the character of, of Kamala Khan as well. Ka Kamala in the comic books is a person surrounded by a team almost. Her friends and her family are really close to her and are really important to her in the comics. It's unlike Peter Parker, who tends to end off alone and tends to go through all of his troubles alone. She is surrounded by people that care about her. A lot of people who do actually know her secret identity in the comic books. A lot of people who know who she is and are there to support who she is as a person. So those conversations from Maniba, particularly saying, find your family, find the people that will support you, from her father saying, find your family and you'll never be alone. All of those things are really important to developing this character of Kamala. And yeah. She is one of the youngest characters in the MCU. So though she's still quite malleable as a person, as a personality of who she's going to become in the future. So really important to have them. Um, you mentioned Maniba's uh, speech about the about America being the mountain. Uh, as someone who's emigrated before to other countries, we both, uh, we've both emigrated um, to other countries. That is a really tough experience for anybody when you're going to a brand new country on your own. I loved how she described the loneliness of it and the, the, the mountain that it is to climb to make yourself fit in there in whatever way you can. Uh, it, it is massively difficult for anybody to, who's moved to another country go talk to an immigrant someone who's someone who's moved over to the country that you live in talk to them welcome them welcome them there because it's really difficult to penetrate especially if you're not someone that goes to some kind of community group or to uh, or to a church like uh, like many of us gone to here they can become the only family that you have in a country so uh, so reach out reach out to someone who's uh, immigrated to your country hi john 
Oh, okay. <laughs> reach out to you? Oh, it's a bit too late for that now. Chris. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, I I absolutely love this. This again. I, I'm just going to end on two quick points. The first being is her good speech. Mm-hmm. It's from episode five. It's from issue five of the comic books. Mm-hmm. It's that baked in. It's not a nice new story, but like it's from. It it literally is her great power, great responsibility, and is echoed. Nearly every volume she goes through within mm-hmm. the comp, even in the champions, kind of her, one of her supergroups. Um, it's echoed there and it, it becomes her mantra's too, too strong of a term. It mm-hmm. just, it's the thing she even says to other people. She says it to Miles yeah, as well, like, uh, the, the, the other Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, like she, it, it really isn't great. And I'm loving that. Um, and yeah, I, I think just overall, like how they do everything with Amira's wedding up until the point where it all goes to um, a fire alarm. I was going to go uh, use a different term, but let's just say it goes to a fire alarm. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to Marvel's point number three. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's really, this is the interesting one. This is the, the kitchen battle, the... Her, the the her embiggening hands mm-hmm. and just really the the ending of this because jumping straight to the end she doesn't tell her family she doesn't lean on her family because her family go what happened where were you talk to us and she goes nothing mm. it wasn't so she hasn't learned that final bit yet she has for the moment and yeah quick question what well, what's the over under? What what are we betting that we see Carol Danvers by the end? A, a quick cameo in the very last episode. Uh, I don't think we're going to see her in the show. Um, no, even the end credit scene, uh, unless the end credit scene is part of something for the Marvels, which was filmed or has been filmed, yeah. um, which is entirely possible. The post credit scene could be the trailer for Marvels. Uh, that that's entirely possible. Yeah. I don't think we see Carol Danvers walk onto set and do a scene with Kamala in here unless it's something directly linked uh, to Marvel. So I think it might be post credit. Um but I don't I don't think it's it's going to get us there. I think we have a lot to cover in the show itself and I think they like to keep those a bit more separated that we've seen anyway from uh, from the MCU shows that we've seen on Disney so far. But who knows? They have filmed I, I, together. I, I was that. imagining a Carol Danvers flying outside her window at the end going, hi, can we talk? I see mm. you're calling yourself Miss Marvel or something like that. And then it's fake. But that's your thing. And then that leads you into the Marvels. Yeah. that's That still feels like post-credit. Oh, yes. 100% post-credit. But I think by the end of the season. Yeah. But let's bring it back to the kitchen battle. Like the fight scenes, this whole aspect. What do mm. you guys think? Uh, first, really quick one. Um I hated how this started. Cameron running in at the exact moment that Bruno was finally going to get his slow dance with Kamala and going, I need to talk to you right now, this very second. Oh my God, just give it two more minutes for them to have at least a slow dance before he goes off to Caltech. Oh, what are you doing, man? But uh, that was my, yeah, that was my initial point. John, what did you think of the, yeah, uh, I, I loved, uh, I loved this fight sequence, certainly to, um, Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. It was certainly, Sort of the rhythm of it was to the music yes, uh, in the kitchen, which was really nice. Mm. I thought it was it was really quirky. Uh, you know, some great bits of tension. It almost felt a little bit like Jurassic Park with the raptors mm. coming into the kitchen with Kamala <laughs> hiding around the corners and so I on. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. Literally that scene where you have um, one of the, the, the team walking 
but between yeah. the kitchen cabinet, she's hiding just down one. Uh, and I was like, oh, that that's Jurassic Park. That's hundred percent what that was a homage to. Yeah. So it was it was really good. Um, I love that. Yeah, she doesn't lean on her family, but in effect, her friends, or at least Bruno and her her new friends in in Cameron, do come uh to 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 help her uh, and to sort of fight off the mem- different members of um Cameron's uh mother's troop I mm-hmm. guess um so I I really enjoyed uh, all of this yeah like yourself Derek um shame that Bruno's dance before he heads off to Caltech was interrupted yeah. loved you know, stick with the classics from Kamala as she sets off the fire alarm. Uh-huh. Uh, all really good. And the, the kitchen staff. I mean, how many times do you see that in, in movies where people are being chased through the kitchen mm-hmm. and the kitchen staff are still sort of chopping away, boiling away, whatever it is until the guns start. And of course they end up being collateral damage uh, and they're kind of like, no, we're not going to get out, you know, almost as though, okay, here we go, they're all going to die. Yeah. And then one of them gets sort of clotheslined by one of the djinn, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, hell no, oh, I'm I getting know. out. So and then they all kind of just evacuate. Yeah. So really nice bit of bit of humor mm-hmm. as well. And it, I was just kind of more interested that whatever the weapons that, uh, the Department of Damage Control were using here, which I know that, uh, Chris has got, um, his, his theory on that. It was just how easily they were actually taken into custody by the Department of Damage Control. Mm. It, I, it felt, um, yeah, I just felt, okay, maybe they're not as powerful as, as you would think, well, given yeah. that literally, the gin has scared so many people, you know, dare I say it, uh, up the creek without a paddleless, uh, for, for, for so long. Mm. So uh, I, I just wondered, but they were obviously using new tech, uh, that could incapacitate them yeah. in that sense. Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw my theory in here now, which is I believe, um, that damage control is morphing into, what was known was a unit of the shield from the comic books called the Cape Killers, which was back in when they did Civil War in the comic books. Shield had a division called Cape Killers, which were essentially sent out to hunt unregistered superhumans. Mm-hmm. And they were basically given guns that could kind of incapacitate people. They were given suits that kind of could da- like take a hit from Luke Cage mm-hmm. or Captain America. Um, and they could still live and work and breathe as humans themselves, just normal shield agents. Yeah. I think based on just even the look, it's pretty close to the comic books, mm-hmm. like just the face mask and the yeah. gun, like the whole shebang, bar someone coming in on a jetpack, which they have the drones. We've seen the drones. That yeah. could happen pretty much later too. Yeah. Um, but it looks like the Cape Killer. So I was like, yeah, it looks like damage control is maybe basically even on episode one and that kind of credit post-credit scene, they're building this. They are there to monitor, control, and detain, Mm -hmm. question mark, uh, unknown uh, enhanced people. Potentially, Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the only shield that we have is is the shield that's on on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, the only shield that we have. So, again, would be 
very complicated to try and bring them into the MCU again, uh, bring them into the MCU TV shows, let's say. Uh, yeah. I hope they do at some point in the future, of course. There's no reason why they can't, but um, but they're using damage control as that proxy for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah. in this in these episodes. So expanding them and expanding their capabilities effectively until hopefully they get subsumed back into S.H.I.E.L.D. so we have <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. again. Uh, that would be great. Um but yeah, I did, I did really enjoy it. I like that. I like the battle. I like that, you know, we have Kamala who has been training, uh, with her abilities, but she is in real defensive mode in here. She's not attacking at all. She's blocking. She's protecting. She's stopping everybody. I was expecting a moment at the end of the battle when Amir and his wife come back in and see what's happened to the room that they've been preparing for this wedding well, that they've yeah. been preparing for for so long. There's a great comedy moment with Amir as, uh, the fire. Uh, alarm goes off for the first time where he runs up uh, to where all the money is has been. He's already been moaning about the fact that he only has 700 quid in his bank account. So uh, he runs up and grabs all the money off the counter and runs out with it. But yep. the first thing that, that Bruno does when he comes in, for example, is pick up one of their bridal gifts and throws it at the gin. So uh, lots of destruction to all the tables, yeah. lots of destruction to this room. So I was just expecting a moment where, you know, like like in Jurassic Park, where they walk back in and see the see the signage of opening soon falling to the ground yeah, you know yeah, i was exactly. expecting the whole room just to collapse in on itself after this big battle well um, and i mean kamala i guess she goes offensive mm-hmm. with her powers when bruno gets basically whipped with the belt that's it yes, and she yes. uses the big fist and mm-hmm. um, to to take them and knock them all back yeah so i mean that's the only time is, is where one of her friends was you know sort of attacked and hurt so yes. Uh, I kind of liked uh, that she did that, seeing the fist element come into mm-hmm. to this fight. Yeah. I yeah. kind of wondered, <laughs> I'm guessing it was just a belt ultimately, but it seemed really long, the belt. So I wondered if it was a special belt. So It was a fact- weapon. It was, yeah, it exactly. was his. So with you- Bruno holding his hand... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not feeling too good. I was like, they're going, okay, is that just because, um, yeah, he's been hit with a belt really hard? Um, or is there something else it, it because felt like, of their yeah. powers? It, it felt like each one of them produced a weapon at the point when they were attacking Kamala, all powered in some way by the Noor, uh, creating a weapon in some cases or revealing a weapon <laughs> in, in other cases. Yeah. But they all seem to be powered. They all yeah. seem to have their own... Well, at uh, least his pants didn't fall down when well, he took exactly. his belt off. <laughs> exactly. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> That's his other Noor power, is to keep <laughs> his pants up when he takes off his belt. <laughs> yeah, no, they all pulled... So, like, the, the very first weapon we saw, is they're all hidden. They're all, like... One was kind of literally seemed to be like a. Well, one was a spear, I guess. Well, the spear came out of nowhere, and so did the mace. Kind of like he took out a small kind of cylindrical kind of rod, and then it just kind of like transformed. Yeah, the belt was kind of around his waist. He took it off, and then it became this massive whip, like extended out. Exactly. So, is it something that they can touch something? Because I mean, ultimately, uh, Cameron's mum picked up a frying pan. So, um, <laughs> that was only to, uh, was to scare it? Kamala. Yes. That okay. was, that so was she didn't have warning. anything. She didn't, right. she didn't no. pull out a weapon at that point. But I, I'm guessing it's something similarly to Kamala using her powers to create these hard light shapes, whatever shape she wants to. They're using their powers to enhance weapons or to create weapons in some yeah, sense. Maybe. Um, to, to pull something out of midair effectively. They did, they, none of them were carrying those weapons before they started to attack with them. So. Well, it looked like they were. 
that's the thing. The belt, for example, he was wearing one and he whips it out. I think it's more just their weapons are kind of, it's like a, it's their tech, essentially. The Noor tech is essentially like a small collapsible spear the size of a tiny rod and you click it and clicks out. And the same with the belt. It was just a normal looking belt and he takes it off, presses the button and it kind of becomes this massive metal whip. Um, it looked more, te- because they were all so similar, it looked tech-esque okay. to me. Okay. And I'm hoping that's kind of it is, because then that's uh, not similar to, say, the dragon scales of the Shang-Chi elements or the Asgardian kind of metal using Uru for um, Meow Meow and kind of the Stormbreaker, the two different weapons for the Asgards for that Thor uses. Like, and we saw the dwarf using different weapons, and it was an actual, like, it's tech. It's, right. Uh, like, as basically Tony Stark calls out. Mm. Anyway, I just thought it was cool. Yeah. I just wonder, as I say, I wonder if they're tapping into their newer powers, um, because they they have those as well. Yeah. They have them inside of themselves. Um, Bruno has mentioned this uh, bangle has unlocked the powers of Kamala. I'm not too sure by the end of this season whether she's going to need the bangle around her arm to, to continue to tap into those powers. That doesn't seem to be the way they're saying it. They're saying that she has that power inside of her. So uh, I wonder if she's learning using the bangle and then she can get rid of it and still have the powers at the end of the series. I wonder if that's if that's going to be the case. So uh, interesting. But want to stress again, because you might have missed it, Chris. Uh, you got what you've been wanting from about 10 of the shows uh, that we've been watching. You have mentioned repeatedly this fight that was in um, Shaun of the Dead, where, which was done to music. Here we had the Bon Jovi song, Living on a Prayer, and the fight was timed to that music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, there, there was moments when punches were landing to the drum beat. That was fantastic. Great to see it in here. And you finally got what you wanted, Chris. Oh, I did. Yeah. Absolutely enjoyed the hell out of it. If they had to chose a better song, I would have been more joyous. I'm not a Bon Jovi fan. I'm sorry. My my favorite version of Bon Jovi right now is Brown Jovi because they were like just the fantastic version of them. Um, <laughs> you're the but, only, you're no. probably the only person in the world. It's probably your age, Chris, because you you probably uh, grew up after Slippery When Wet was famous. Um, there was time before Slippery When Wet and time after Slippery When Wet. Their al- <laughs> the album Slippery When Wet was absolutely massive the last hairband album and then we got i'm so uh, glad you were talking about an album there you missed the conversation in in episode two then chris because they (laughs) talked all about bon jovi slippery when wet i know know. (laughs) and of course the other the the kind of post battle here or post kitchen fight is that we have uh, nakia finding out that kamala is Mm. nightlight yes um so again she she has now been revealed to uh, Nakia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back at home, we have, as we discussed earlier, about the potential that we're moving to Head for the Sun mm-hmm. uh, travel program from back in the day uh, is that we're off to Karachi. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, which will be fantastic. I've been yeah. to Karachi and in Pakistan uh, back in the day to look at glaciers. Have you? Yes. Very cool. Almost died on a mountain road in the Karakoram Himalayas. So it'll be great. I'm guessing, like with Egypt being in Hungary, this will be Karachi that's based off uh, a sort of a studio lot in Georgia in the US. But Maybe, yeah. nonetheless, <laughs> uh, it's great that we're going to... Pakistan and Karachi. Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. I was actually just off air, was asking Derek whether this was a six or eight episode 
um, kind of arc. And if it's a six, okay, we've hit the halfway point. It and is six, yeah. I'm yeah. very happy with the halfway point that we've received up mm-hmm. to this because, like, if you're taking us to Egypt like we did in Moon Knight, mm-hmm. I, Moon Knight's big Egypt aspect was the kind of final arc. That's what we're getting here. Yeah. So yeah. potentially it's we're now moving from Jersey to Pakistan. And we'll probably get slow, thrown back to Jersey on like the last episode Maybe, as they yeah. need to go save the family kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. I think like it just it changes the scenery slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely really exciting. Um anything else about the episode you guys want to pull out? I'll take one quick one. We have an Eric Selvig uh, name drop, mm-hmm. which is fun. Um, so just for those who do not know or don't remember, Eric Selvig is the professor from Thor mm-hmm. who has joined us for multiple kind of versions. Kat Dennings, um, Darcy was, uh, also worked with him and yep. Jane Foster. And he went on to kind of, he was in the Avengers. Yes, he was. He's the premier scientist when it comes to interdimensional or different realm based mm-hmm. travel and science. Yes. Uh, and he's name checked in a few different other MCU shorts and films and things like he that. He could do a travel program for interdimensional travel. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Asgard. <laughs> Here today we're going to see then next oh look Hercules we're on Mount Olympia. Oh there's Thor naked. Uh <laughs> if you've yet to see the uh, Love and Thunder trailer you will know what I'm talking about. Well Dr. Eric Selvig was the last uh, naked member of the cast of, uh, of Thor in uh, in Thor Two: The Dark World, mm-hmm. uh, he did get naked in that movie. So yes, he's uh, he's <laughs> a kindred spirit uh, there with Thor. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Anything else, John, from uh, from the episode you want to call it? Uh, just two things. Um, you know, I think there were some really good lines in in this. We've mentioned about the good is not a thing you are; it's mm-hmm. it's a thing you do. Um, I love the little cute line from Kamala to Nakia as she sort of body flops face uh, first into Kamala's bed and she goes, what's wrong, squishy? I thought that was cute. That's very cute. Um, and the other line I as love, well. I that, love that she calls her after after Nakia says that she's gotten on the board. She goes, dude. And Nakia yeah. goes, bro. Yeah, <laughs> Back exactly. to each other as they're, really as they're good. congratulations. Like <laughs> such a great use of language, but just, just the cuteness, the affection there in mm-hmm. calling, you know, her best friend Squishy. Yeah. Um, and then I just love Kamala's deadpan, um, to, to Bruno where she says, you know, when you've fallen off a drone and fallen off a van <laughs> and banged your knee and you don't feel it till later, uh-huh. you know, uh, then that was just really, that was just a nice little moment. Yeah. Or was it to, uh, more my thing, Maniba? Yeah. It's Bruno. It was to Bruno. It was to Bruno because yeah. he's the only one that knows that she's been chased down yes, by damage. She wouldn't control. say that to her mother. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yet. But I really like that because, again, you don't get to see very many superheroes licking their wounds afterwards. And I love that she gets her mom to put a plaster on as well. Yes. So uh, it's, that's really cute. It's really cute. Uh, one serious uh, moment in the episode that I don't think um, we've talked about uh, is Nakia's discussion effectively about a government agency coming into a mosque and asking them to... Uh, as good Muslims to report bad Muslims and Nakia saying yeah. that this is something that really damages the relationship. You know, we've heard that description of uh, Maniba saying that this is her family. This is the only way she was able to find her way into America. This difficult mountain to climb, this creation of community that they have, the Illuminantes, you know, how close this group is as a, as a union of people and having this government agency coming in and going, 
report on on your neighbors report on your friends report on your family to us um is a really destructive thing for the community i liked how it was played here from uh from nikia this idea no, i loved it yeah. you're not a good muslim if you don't report your neighbors um, yeah it's of, a great way of yeah. stuffing it to them yeah so yeah. i i i thought that scene was really great with um sheikh abdullah and and nakia mm-hmm. basically questioning questioning agent diva uh, and uh, her goons that come in you know mm-hmm. no respect taking up no no taking off of the shoes yeah. you know it's just that other target on our backs uh, and uh, like you say the the idea of go- a good or or bad muslim it it's like yeah. uh anyone that you know they're good or bad you know what does that mean it comes so loaded so yeah exactly as as nakia says is it because you saw her coming into a mosque is it because it's a member of our community um you know is that why this is so important to you to get us to report them exactly yeah i thought that was a really good strong point in a a, a really good episode yeah i'll I'll quickly call out for so for me Iman Vanali, who plays Kamala, mm-hmm. and uh, Yasmin, who plays Nakia, and Bruno, like all of them, Matt, um, I'm getting strong Tom Holland's and Dio vibes, where over the course of those three films, Spider-Man films, mm-hmm. uh, okay, and kind of Civil War and all that, like, we really got to know the character of Peter Parker that Tom Holland brings, and how, and basically to the point where we became so, like, we loved them so much, and we kind of really bonded with these version of the characters. Mm. I'm getting those same young actor style with loads of potential. Yeah. With these, with these actors who oh, are, who are playing Kamala Khan and Nakia and all that, because the quick kind of bro dude that you guys mentioned that kind of is that fun part yeah. that is that kind of, but then also the serious moments and the, the, like standing up where it is bringing serious themes in. So I do think by the end of these less than, four, let's say five hour plus kind of movie, mm-hmm. That will be quite similar to, say, the, the 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 overall Spider-Man kind of appearance, and I'm like, oh, I think we'll be bonded enough with these characters as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's really funny that you mentioned that because um, Matt Lynch, who plays Bruno in the show, is just uh, was just uh, interviewed this week and and uh, did say that he was in the running and uh, the final running for um, for the role of Peter Parker uh, in Civil War when when Peter Parker was first cast, which is really interesting considering Matt Lynch is 21 years old right now. Tom Holland's 26 years old right now, so five years younger than Tom Holland. That could have been our Peter Parker. And I think there's definitely elements of my love him in this role. I love him as the really smart, techie guy um, who's pining after uh, the, the woman that he loves and she's paying him no mind. That's another version of Peter Parker, definitely, oh, yeah. that we could have seen in the MCU. Love Tom Holland a bit. Absolutely love his his version of, of Peter Parker. And it feels like they just went a different way uh, by casting um, Tom Holland. But uh, but it would have been interesting. I see I see why they're bringing uh, Matt Lintz on board here. He's, he's great in the role and really good yeah. to see him. He, yeah. As I mentioned before, was in uh, Walking Dead for quite a long time. Um, so I've known him for for a couple of years as an actor, but I think he's really playing a great role in here in uh, in Miss Marvel. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Exactly. I do think the reason that they didn't put him in is because we would have seen a kid getting knocked around. Um, but anyway, I don't think that's how we'll see it. We've got Tom Holland said, but gentlemen, Tom Holland is not in this show. No, he's not. So we are going to close out our thoughts after all those notes, and I will ask: Do you defend Miss Marvel episode three? 
destined Derek. Definitely defend this episode of loving this series. It's it, as I said before, it's a great refreshing show to watch every week and this was so joyous with the uh with the wedding and gave us a really good um context and exposition about who the bad guys are, where the power comes from. I really like that and I, I really like where it's setting us up to go for the rest of the season. Really really enjoyable. My initial criticism of the uh, of the episode I watched it the first time was that twist of this lovely new group of people that Kamala met then suddenly the next day they're attacking her wedding going to kill everybody in the room just suddenly felt like it came out of nowhere it felt like you needed a little scene of one of them acting a little bit evil because they all felt like really nice characters really lovely people all playful with each other and then suddenly it was like right no can't wait anymore we're walking down to this wedding to kill everybody (laughs) but when you watch it the second time and see all the clues and and hints that they are bad guys which i probably should have picked up on the first time <laughs> once you see them all and get them all put together it, it all makes sense and i think it was a, a really good episode of the show uh, well i really think it was even it. a surprise for cameron to be honest you know he you didn't knew, realize you they know, were that evil yeah like as he says you knew this would be dangerous uh-huh. you know because he's he's like with kamala it's like it could be dangerous yeah. and she needs more time like he's fine with that mm-hmm. yeah his that's mother true. ain't that's true exactly Johnners, do you defend this episode of Miss Marvel? Yeah, I really do defend this episode of Miss Marvel. I give it uh, four and a half gin and tonics. Uh, that's gin with a D uh, out of five. Nice. You really want to go to the gin dimension, don't you? Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> Whether I'd return from the gin exactly. dimension is another matter entirely. And that's and the last we ever saw. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or whether I return alive uh, from the gin dimension. <laughs> or is, sober. Or sober, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I, absolutely loving this series. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, those key leads of um, Kamala, Bruno, and Nakia are absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love... The whole picture of their family around and their community uh, around uh, this family, around Kamala. Um, it feels really upbeat, but it feels natural. It yeah. still feels like they're going through issues and challenges like we saw with the Department of Damage Control arriving at the mosque. That kind of challenge, you, the challenge personally for Kamala mm-hmm. and for uh, Amir with uh, on the wedding day and we see the just how you know fantastic just the little talks uh, from the mother and the father yeah uh, really good um you know really good action uh love the fight scene through the kitchen you know it, it's just bubbly the whole thing and I don't just mean in a happy way but Everything just fizzes along really nicely. Um, I know when we first talked about, um, you know, the, the episode and you said how, well, the change was suddenly really quick. And I, mm. I said, well, it's a six episode season. They don't need loads of, you know, lovey doviness that they did it and they did it at the, the start along with a flashback to, uh, 1942 with mm-hmm. the the start of it so like it, this whole episode covered just a fantastic range you know i almost thought that amir's wedding would be at the end after everything was sorted out right, rather right. than bang in the middle and would have cameron's mum najma 
coming in, sort of going all gin on them, basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, along with uh, the rest of the crew. So, yeah, really enjoyed this. Uh, I'd give this four and a half gin and tonics out of five. Excellent. Chris, uh, do you defend this episode? Yeah, uh, this is um, one of my favourite shows on the MCU so far. Mm. I think it because it reminds me of Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. that style, that kind of bubbliness that, like I said, this would be a good Muslim-based comedy uh, just set in the MCU without mm-hmm. any superheroics. And I'd enjoy it, and I'd watch it, and I'd have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the fact that then I do then enjoy, and I pick up all the extra Marvel stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And like, I think this is going to probably be quite high for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those who watch it, I, I think for some people, they're kind of like, oh, there's another girl. is not the girl from Doctor Strange. I think there's some of that happening out in the universe, but that's just <laughs> the universe. Really? But overall, I, think, I absolutely... I think like with any of, that, any of that kind of criticism, we'll just ignore people like that. Uh, they, exactly. they clearly have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, I absolutely love this. I enjoy the hell out of it, and I'm really looking forward to the final kind of three episodes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Right. I think we need to go over to the slushy bar um, to have a slushy. Uh, since we're in a uh, since we're in a Kamala Khan show, uh, she can't go to the pub, so we need to get over to the slushy bar. Oh, I wanted to go to the gin and tonic universe. <laughs> maybe, yes, maybe just for this one, we can go there. It is question three for the slushy bar quiz, and this episode's question is: What is Mister Khan's special synthetic treat? But he told Bruno not to tell anybody, John. Well, we're going to expose him. (laughs) Yousef, you will be exposed on uh, Miss Marvel's Slushy Bar quiz. I love it. I love it. Do you want to give the question one more time? Yes. Question is, what is Mr. Khan's special synthetic treat? We all have them. Uh Uh, So what is it, fellow defenders? Send your answers through to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Send them in all at the end once all six questions are there. Posted up on our uh, website at mm-hmm. tvpodcastindustries.com. Or in the podcast, of course. Uh, you pick them up uh, yes, earlier on the podcast. Exactly. I usually don't get them uh, up on the website uh, as quickly as I should. So uh, so listen to the podcast and you'll, you'll get each of the questions as we go. And send in your answers for... Uh, the possibility of winning a load of Miss Marvel goodies uh, when we do our wrap-up episode. Absolutely. Yes. Well, gentlemen, before we head on over to hear what some of our fellow defenders have thought about this show, I just want to say this episode of TV Podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Marianne Morris. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Marianne. Thanks, Marianne. Yeah, great stuff, Marianne. Thank you. Yes, you too can be like Marianne and you can support us on any monthly amount over on patreon.com slash TV podcast industries. Or if you'd like to support us with a one-off donation, you can do that too by popping on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where you can buy us a coffee. Keep our editor-in-chief in caffeinated modes. But we understand, of course, that not everyone has that ability. You can also support us by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your babbies, sharing it with your mammies, your nannies, your grannies, your aunt grandies, your huge families who are over for a wedding. Make sure they're all listening to it in the background of your wedding celebrations. Mm-hmm. Because remember, sharing the podcast is what, John? 
sharing the love. Absolutely. And a huge thank you to everybody who's been sharing the podcast. We're up in the top 20s um, in the US and in the UK for uh, for after shows for podcasts. So thank you so much to all of you who are listening to our coverage of both the boys and of uh, and of Miss Marvel as well. So uh, I know they're very different shows, but thanks so much for listening along with us. Yes, thank you so much. But as you're listening along, you can also hear your thoughts on this podcast. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on Miss Marvel. So remember, if you want to get us your thoughts on up to episode three, read out, and you want to kind of just write them, type them up, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also join our group at Facebook on facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries, or why not head on over to Twitter at tvpodindustries, where you can talk to us, give us your thoughts, your feelings, everything in between and we will read it out on this show because you know what we've already got an email it's an email from the one and only coffee and vodka who had this to say greetings fellow wedding crashing defenders who would have thought disney would have become such an ambassador of non-caucasian based culture last month moon knight now miss marvel and if counting fictional nations black panther way back in the pre-covid days Mm -hmm. well that's so long ago feels like a decade well wakanda forever is coming at the end of this year so not long to wait to go no, back to true. wakanda so that's kind of cool true coffee and vodka went on to say this episode was as educational as it was entertaining and informative to the plot mm-hmm. loving the representation i only have two questions are the jinn really wrong in their disregard of our planet in their desire to get back to theirs, considering everything they've witnessed us do to it. And is Brian, sorry, I mean Bruno, actually Peter Parker in a new identity? Or do we all white teenager males look the same? <laughs> Finally, I hope the second bangle is found in Karachi. Just the one makes the completionist in me very itchy. Mm-hmm. Five damage control agents, Cree carcasses and train spottings out of five coffee and vodka. Excellent coffee vodka. I think we talked about why Matt Lintz might remind you of uh, of Peter yeah. Parker. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I really do think that the second bangle will be found, and we will get a two bangled uh, Miss Marvel um, <laughs> out of it. Uh, who knows? But then, obviously, Derek, you're saying maybe she doesn't need the bangle in the future. Yeah, well, it was it was interesting. There's a couple of pointers to it. Definitely, when they say you you need two of these to open the gate to get back to it, the other dimension, we're definitely going to see the second bangle. But she also called out. Well, Cameron was born on this planet. Cameron was born in this dimension. Can he use the bangles? Um, so I think we're going to see Cameron put those bangles yes, on. Uh, to help there might be a little, family, so. little yeah. bit of a, a team up there. And of course, mm-hmm. speaking of bangles, I keep thinking of the uh, great 90s pop uh, group as well. I hate to tell you because it always makes you feel old, John. 80s pop group. It was 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I listened to them in the 90s, <laughs> shall we say. You didn't. No, you didn't. Manic Monday, their biggest <laughs> number was, one hit. Okay. Written by the Written by Prince. Yes. The Bangles. What a fab group that was. And yeah, of course, sure completely with Coffee and Vodka as well around just the, the whole representation. I mean, mm-hmm. we, even with Shang-Chi as well in terms of Southeast of Asian uh, representation as well. So, yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Yes, thank you so much, Coffee and Vodka. Absolutely. Jerry sent us an email. He says, hey, guys, again, the show is fine. We have villains now, the gins. 
Jin's Cree scroll. Are they from the negative zone? I mentioned the negative zone because the name drops some possible Fantastic Four possibilities. Wedding stuff was great in this episode, learning about the cultural differences. I think her mother knows more than she's letting on as well. Fight scenes were serviceable. Again, the show is for a different demographic. I will still watch to see where this mystery is going. How will Kamala get to Pakistan? Last week's show was light like lemonade. This week, a root beer float. A cherry in Niceville. <laughs> Excellent stuff, Jerry. There's, there's definitely stuff to enjoy, at least, uh, I think, in the episode. I'm glad, I'm glad you're picking out and enjoying the bits that you, that you, you find interesting. Exactly. And just think, if you get a squishy or a slushy this next week, like basically all the sugar put in it, just remember that episode with the pixie dust in The Simpsons. You can just kind of sugar high yourself into the final two. Yeah, exactly. And it's really good that, you know, the, uh, fellow defenders are, are learning and and seeing the 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 culture as well uh, as yeah. both Jerry and Coffee and Vodka. I mean, I know that's same for me in terms of seeing the dance sequence. It mm-hmm. was just like fantastic, and I think that was why I just really connected with with Bruno, where he joins in and is just so up for it. Yeah. Uh, really, really good. Uh, it kind of took me back a little bit as well to in secondary school. Okay, it was an Indian belly dancer. Mm. Uh, and so, yes, when I think it was like second year in secondary school, suddenly had to start doing sort of belly dancing. We we're all like going, uh oh, okay, what's going on here? And, <laughs> um, but ultimately by the end of it, everyone got into it with the, the teacher, which was this Indian lady with, mm-hmm. with her, all the different, um, uh, clothes and, and bangles and, and jewelry that she was wearing it was really really good yeah. really exciting stuff yeah absolutely always, not that i can fun. remember any of my belly dancing <laughs> techniques and um, to it. be honest I've i know i i tend to do more dancing whilst falling asleep standing up now there's the the john b as it's been named yes yes, yes that's true excellent stuff yes thanks so much jerry yeah thanks jerry uh, and john daniel says Holy moly, just the theme music should have warned me this was a heavier episode. Mm. At first, I thought it was going to be a flashback-orientated episode, but I was pleased that it jumped to Kamala present day. I was hoping it would be a training montage with Cameron's mum, you know, revealing everything the bangle can do, and then it focused on culture and family in such a delightful way. Mm -hmm. Then the bombshells. The Jin and the Department of Damage Control are the big bads, mm. question mark. Cameron actually cares about Kamala and Brown Jovi. <laughs> I love the fight scene in the banquet hall. We got to see the big fist that, being completely new to Miss Marvel, I've only seen on all the comic frames online. Mm-hmm. I was dying for Kamala to be able to be honest with her family, but I guess she couldn't. We'll see if Kamala's mum goes to Karachi with her. I love this show. John from Chicago. Thank you so much, John. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Are the Jin bad guys or just misunderstood? A bit like Coffee and Vodka saying there. You know, I love the fact that Kamala says it. You know, these have been the stuff of nightmares mm. for her as a child. Yeah. It's so ingrained. Uh, these these stories, this folklore uh, that have been passed down. I mean, even we see with Youssef uh, when speaking to Bruno, he goes, "I haven't heard that one before." Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's I, I, it's also that projection. You know, well, I per- guess it's like wolves and Red Riding Hood people or, or or woods. You know, you 
you kind of are afraid of wolves or dark woods when you just look at Blair Witch Project. So I guess all these different things are just really kind of interesting things to kind of just conjecture about and think about um, as we we go through the series. And I think we can definitely say not all Jin are because... no. Kamala is Jin. Yeah. And that yeah. is what we've learned in this episode. She is descended from the Jin. So she has that blood in, in her. Cameron descended from Jin and has, has the blood exactly. inside him. They both seem like good people. But if these, this group, which it seems to be, is the Jin that has been banished to Earth from another dimension, it's likely that they are. They are. That exactly. group is, is a bad group of Jin. As for the DODC, um, the, the Department of Damage Control and whether they're the big bads or not, they walked in here and saved uh, saved a whole group of people at a wedding from an attack that was happening on them. I wonder if that is the twist here, that um, they aren't bad people. They did do some very stupid things walking into uh, into the, the mosque uh, at the beginning of the episode trying to find uh, Kamala. But the way they went in and saved everybody by using their weapons to take them out, they may be like S.H.I.E.L.D., let's say, as, we, as we've said before. Yeah. yeah. And I really hope antagonists. That, I think is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Yes, I, I really hope that Moniba, um, Kamala's mom, goes to uh, Karachi with uh, with Kamala as well. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really good because I, I just thought that little talk in this yeah. episode it feels it just felt so kind of natural. Yeah. Whether uh, a trip to Karachi is on the cards ultimately after a wedding, I don't know. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Kamala going there on her own. Anyway. No. I wonder if that's the impetus for them to go there. If Kamala shares her story with her mother, as uh, as was mentioned in the feedback, maybe Maniba knows a lot more than she's saying. So I think she once is. they connect on the story and actually tell the truth and be honest with each other, maybe they develop a much better relationship together and then they go back to visit, uh, to visit Nana. Absolutely. Maybe her mom has the second bangle. Potentially, yeah. That do, could yeah. be it. Absolutely. Like, we don't even need yeah. to go crouchy. She's like, oh, we went all this way just for, I have it in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's great stuff, John. I like yourself. Um, also loving this show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good stuff. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, John. Over on Facebook, Brandy Elise Anderson had this to say. I have to start off by saying that this episode helps me see a different side of how smart this show is with its Scott Pilgrim type visual effects. Mm. I didn't even really notice the lack of it until Kamala was texting with Cameron and it was just normal text bubbles. And it made perfect sense to me because Kamala is more grounded in reality in this episode. Mm. So the visual effects that we see through her eyes are more grounded in reality. And that made me realise this represents more of Kamala's real life as she starts to fantasise less. Like a coming-of-age story. Also, did I see Ten Ring symbols? Yes, Mm -hmm. you did. I thought the Kree at first when I saw the severed arm, but then once I found out that the djinn, I went, oh, genie. Ah, yes. And then the bangle and the fact that there had to be a second one besides my need for a symmetrical look. Did I imagine waves going on behind Kamala when she was talking to Cameron's mother? And a Dr. Selvig name drop. Thanks, Brandy. Yeah, I didn't really see the the waves when you're talking about it. The waves I did see was when Cameron's mother and Kamala were kind of there and the train, the illusion or the vision of the train was coming to them and they were holding the bangle. I saw that, Mm. but I didn't see it earlier on. So maybe... Maybe there there was two elements. It was just kind of a blink and you'll miss a piece. But um, thanks for all your feedback on this one, anyway. 
Yeah, absolutely, Brandy. Some really, really good feedback there. Do you think we're going to get Will Smith's genie as being in, in a flashback now, getting his arm severed off wearing the bangle? I hope just, not. Just one-handed, just a one-armed one kind of Will, Will Smith, Smith walking around. He can't slap anyone then. I really well, he, hope He's not. only slapped them once. There you go. There you go. Uh, thanks so much, Brandy. Yeah, thanks, Brandy. Dr. Bob Phillips sent in his thoughts about the episode. He says, have to say, I keep on being open-mouthed by just how much... This show is embedded in the world of a second-generation immigrant hero living her authentic, semi-interdimensional existence. I nearly wept with the recitation of God is Great, previously misaligned with only evil terrorists in TV shows and movies, and the bold call-out of the split and self-police approach, which is a lever of oppression. Also noticeable that while cute English accent boy Cameron isn't a baddie, the British occupying forces, not a thing we've seen enough on UK telly, certainly were destructive with their willful burning of the sacred space and looting. Excellent, Dr. Bob. Yeah, one of the things that is really present in the show, whether it's in the background or really central to the story, is uh, the implications of what's going on yeah. for this Muslim family and this this Muslim community and their connection to Pakistan and, and what's going on. So I really like that that's all in there for you to see, or you can watch the overarching fun of the episode with with uh, with Kamala and, and what's going on with her and her friends. But they are delving into all of those elements in small ways and big ways. It's really good. Yeah, really good stuff, uh, Dr. Bob. Um, completely agree with you as well that the – uh, the notion of showing sort of what British Empire did mm-hmm. uh, in the countries that it was, you know, it wasn't just railway lines, um, but it was a lot of um, divide and conquer and whatever else, a lot of violence. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, really good stuff. Next up, Banshee's origin story in Ireland <laughs> featuring the British Empire. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, and, yes, I might... I enjoy that. Yes, could be good. Um, and thank you, Dr. Bob. Uh, finally, Salim Akisla says, The family content continues to be astounding. They got me again this week when the mum was talking about adjusting to life in the US. Mm. That said, I'm glad we started getting into the superhero part of the story. I've had problems with the pacing of just about every D-plus Marvel show other than WandaVision because they start so slow and then rush to a finish. There was some exposition, but the show efficiently handled the introduction of the djinn and their story. I didn't expect Cameron to go against his mother, so well done there too. Mm. The wedding was beautiful until it was interrupted for a pretty good first fight sequence. Brown Jovi was (laughs) hilarious, loved the singer plugging every cultural event he could think of, and then going into living on a prayer was a great touch. Mm-hmm. Looks like we're off to Karachi next week. Exciting. Thanks so much, Salim. Uh, yep, yeah, I th- I think I'm kind of see what you're saying there because, like I was just saying there earlier on the podcast, I actually thought we would get uh, Amir's wedding right at mm. the end. Yeah. It would be kind of free from the the complexities of of what's happening to Kamala mm-hmm. and, and and then with the djinn arriving in this episode. So to have it all happening in, in this, I, th- I thought it was really good because it frees up to really focus on Kamala and, as you say, move into the more superhero aspects to it. You know, mm-hmm. wh- whose is the blue arm? Is it another genie, as, as we would see from Walt Disney? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, a Cree? <laughs> I mean, and I know it's it's... Um, in what is now Pakistan as opposed to India, but you know, a lot of the different 
gods from, say, certainly Hindu would have blue uh, skin. Yeah. And I think even from Moon Knight, I think the 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 ancient Egyptian sort of half dead, half zombie um, sort of priest that would have pulled out the you know the lungs out through the nose and stuff okay. during embalming and um, like that had they had a touch of blue i think they would ceremonial mm. sort of put different paints and colors on their skin so this is, um, this who is knows? reminding me of conversations that were going on when agents of shield had uh, a blue skinned alien mentioned in an episode and everybody was trying to work out what What's the possibility? Exactly. There's thousands of blue skin characters within loads. Uh, within the uh, the Marvel universe and uh, within the even the Irish used to paint their skin blue. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you might be thinking of the Scottish and Braveheart there, John. Okay, uh, the Celts then more widely. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could take the Celts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Blue, blue is an easy enough color to to create. It's a pastel color, um, so definitely, definitely could have used <laughs> it. Is. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes, yes, I think you are. Definitely the Celts did do that. Yes, thank you so much, Salim, and thank you everyone else for your feedback. Guys, it's been great, but we are running to the end of this podcast because we need to go to Karachi as well. We also need to go to another show. Mm-hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow defenders, remember, if you are not subscribed, subscribe over at TV Podcast Industries. Dot com. Yes, and don't forget as well over at patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries, you can support us or you can just head on to Apple Podcasts or any other podcast catcher and all those ones and subscribe. Leave us a review. Go to Spotify and do five stars because you know what? That really does help as mm-hmm. well. We as well at a very different pace and a very different style of show. We are also covering The Boys season three, and that is this week's episode. Oh boy, it's gonna, it, it's a special one. Well, I'm gonna say it right now. If you're watching this episode of Miss Marvel and you've enjoyed this episode of Miss Marvel, you need a very different taste for uh, the next episode. <laughs> yes, of, uh, of a the different Boys. mindset. Very coming different. into, uh, well, dare I say, it, into uh, episode the next episode of. The Boys. Episode 6, yes. Uh, yes. Coming out this week, we have already recorded our podcast. It will be out directly after the episode airs on uh, on Prime Video. But, um, yeah, very different show. Very different show. Very, 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 very. much so. Mm-hmm. We'll also be covering, uh, probably in a couple of weeks, we'll be covering Season 3 of The Umbrella Academy. That all drops this week. So if you are interested, make sure you head on over to Netflix.com and watch Umbrella Academy Season 3. Catch up on all the bits we missed. Let us know your thoughts for each and every individual episode mm. or just what you thought of the overall season and when we cover it in a couple of weeks. There's just a lot on. We will make sure that we get your feedback in there. Yeah, we can say we watched the first four episodes of uh, of Umbrella Academy before it came out and it's really good. Really yes. enjoying the season. Yeah. So Fantastic. Very looking forward to talking about it, but there's no point in talking about all three shows in the same week. Uh, way too no. much going on. <laughs> the moment, and no. then we'll suddenly have a gap, a dead zone where nothing's happening between two shows. So. Or a negative zone, or a negative if you zone. will. Exactly. We only do positive zones on TV podcast industries. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so... Let us know your thoughts on the Umbrella Academy Season 3. We will be back for the boys. We'll be also back for the next episode of Miss Marvel next week. There you have it. We have come to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Absolutely. Speak to you again next time. Bye. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow defenders. Great chatting with you. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. Bye.